Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We are so excited that you are hanging out with us for a little bit of your time. And uh, we just finished up Thanksgiving. We had a wonderful holiday. Uh, me and my brother and all of our family gathered around and enjoyed some Thanksgiving. And we want to tell you, we are extremely thankful for each one of you who listen to this podcast. If you would give us a shout on Facebook, Instagram, share this with someone who you might think finds it entertaining, and uh, leave us a rating or review. We love hearing all the ratings and reviews. We are continuing this week with part two of our interview with the man of a thousand streams, Mr. Ray Sugg. He is a legend in our eyes in the fly fishing world, especially in Western North Carolina. So we can't wait for you to hear that rest of that interview. If you like part one, part two is going to be even better in my opinion. We go into a lot deeper conversation on some fun things, all fly fishing related. Want to remind you, if you haven't yet, order a shirt, order a Dads on the Fly t-shirt or a Dads on the Fly sticker. You can find those. Uh, best place to go is our Facebook or Instagram page. If you're not following us on social, make sure to do that there and then make sure to check that out and uh also we loved all the feedback we got from part one with our interview with ray sugg and so we can't wait for you to hear part two so let's go ahead and dive on in to episode 17 of dads on the fly Welcome to episode 17 of Dads on the Fly. I am Caleb Simmons, alongside always with my brother, Joshua Simmons. And we are continuing something that we started last week on Dads on the Fly. We are interviewing the man of a thousand streams, Mr. Ray Sugg. We are so excited to have him with us again for part two of this interview because it's part one just wasn't enough. And we could probably do like 10 parts with you, Ray. It's been... So great to have you a part of it. So maybe when we get to like episode 100, we could have like, he could be our, you know, he's the man of a thousand. I don't know if we'll be it to a thousand episodes. Maybe we will, but you know, who knows? Who knows? 100. But uh, we are so glad to have uh, Mr. Ray Sog back with us. And uh, so, Ray, thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we talked last time about just your uh, amazing goal that you set to fish a thousand streams in North Carolina. You've crossed that. You've still got streams on your bucket list. We talked a lot about um, kind of how you did that, and so I feel like you got to have some pretty interesting moments on the stream to have fished that many different places, to have fished for that long. So which one has been your favorite? Which trip, which stream, which watershed? If you could name Man, it to a favorite, uh, what would it be? Uh, it's it's going to be easier to narrow it down to favorite for species. Okay. Oh, that'll work. Yeah, um, that sounds great. I, I'm going to tell you, Linville River in uh, Burke County, I have fished enough to say that I fished it. And most of it is private. You know, it starts as private. There's a club water stretch mm -hmm. on yeah. there. Every single tributary of Linville River has healthy brown trout, wild trout. And I've got uh, maybe seven, eight named streams and these will remind you of Western Meadow streams. Wow. 
they're just gently meandering through a field. If you go in the summer and they have it mowed, you don't see the water because they're so narrow and the grass grows up and covers. Are these one of the ones we need to ask permission these, on the doors? Uh, some places, yes. <laughs> so some make places, note of that. Uh, here is a big tip. We don't want to be escorted off with a guy uh, with a uh, gun Caleb, in his holster. Caleb is a pastor, and he's going to appreciate this one. Find a church. There you go, yeah. We do that a lot when we fish Find new places. It's our favorite place to park. The creek goes through. I have not seen a posted sign at a church yet. Uh, park in the church. I've actually had pastors come down and talk to us and say, oh, yeah, well, it runs by my house and the fishing's better up there. Why don't you come with us? Oh, We've done awesome. that a couple of times. But uh, there there are publicly accessible places where, I mean, one of them is right by a public elementary school. Just don't go during school hours. Yeah, They'll go, they'll go into a lockdown. Who's the, <laughs> the guy down there in camo? But um, one, literally just, right beside Cross Nor Elementary School is Clark Branch. I know where that is. There are 16-inch brown trout in that creek. Wow. And you can't see them because you only see about a foot of water width. Uh, Depth-wise, it's about knee-deep. Help me and with the, the county. That is, that is Avery, Avery County. Yes. See, when I was at Appalachian State, we would have to... Student teach, you know, oh, we yes. have to run to yeah. Cranberry Middle. Absolutely, you know, yeah. So those, I've been around in those yeah. little places. I know where Cross Nor is. And we have to read some basketball games in the Cross gym there. Nor, First Baptist Church, Cross Nor Creek runs right behind it. It's got wild brown trout in it. I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode so I can take <laughs> notes on all this. This so, is great. Uh, you know, my my favorite for for the wild brown trout streams is all the tiny tributaries of the Linville River. Mm -hmm. uh, literally all of them I have caught browns bigger than what you would think should be in there. Wow. Um, so how wide are these creeks? A foot. That's insane. And, and maybe two feet deep in the where the places, you know, like a bend where the trout are hanging so, out. So you're fishing in a ditch, basically. Yes. And, and you don't see fish. You basically, I always nymph fish with an indicator. Mm -hmm. And I put it upstream. And then you see the fish come out from under the bank to take the fly. Wow. And it, it's always a rush because they're bigger than you think they're going to be. And, and literally every one of those streams that run into the Linville is like that. Uh, I think at, at that particular part of the Linville, I think the temperature in the summer gets a little warm. And I think sometimes the fish migrate up because this is mm -hmm. cooler water. But yep. I also think they're they're reproducing in those streams, too. So um, that would be brown trout. Brook trout streams, all the headwater streams of Wilson Creek on Grandfather Mountain, every single one of them is a good brook trout stream. And I feel like I've looked at that map before. That is a lot, isn't it? That's I, a lot. I mean, there's a lot, There's right? a lot of name streams. They're all good brook trout streams. When you... Um, Go to Linville, and 221 goes up beside Grandfather Mountain. Yeah, we, we vacation every year in Banner yeah. Elk, so we, mm -hmm. and I went to Boone, so we kind of know all Do those roads. Do you know roads, where Edgemont Road is? It's a dirt road that pulls off of 221, and it crosses every headwater fork of Wilson Creek. Wow. You can drive to these streams. Now, farther down there, hike-in stretches. But at the point where the road crosses the creeks, there are brook trout. Sweet. Now, I just made someone very angry at me. It's okay. Uh, my favorite of all these, and Bobby's going to get mad for this one. Uh oh, are you? But uh, it is a named public stream. Yeah. Grag prong would be my favorite speckled Never trout stream. Never heard of it. Comes off of Grandfather Mountain, Wilson Creek tributary. Our, 
either our listening audience is really going <laughs> to... Yeah. People are going to be like, go listen to this yeah. podcast. <laughs> go figure out what a fish. <laughs> we, might get a, that's, we might get a few more listeners. Browns and brookies. And so where would you go find rainbows? Um, Fires Creek Watershed in Clay County is... And I've never caught anything but wild rainbows in that watershed. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time I ever fished it, I had a 60 fish day on wild wow. rainbows uh, on dry flies. And I never got out of Fires Creek. Wow. Uh, I have since gone back, and I've, I think I have seven or eight tributaries in that watershed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, just a beautiful stream. And it is, there is a delayed harvest stretch on it, the lower end. And then up above the delayed harvest, it's all wild trout water. So, so question, what, and this is just shows my, you know, lack of knowledge with a lot of trout fishing still and still learning. Why do certain species thrive better in those different we, types of streams? We wonder that. Okay. I've asked. I Listen, <laughs> yeah, I, I have know. asked. Like, uh, Bobby and I both uh, have established relationships with the fisheries biologists. Okay. We kind of share information. They found a lot of trout streams that, you know, their their big thing right now is trying to identify all the, the wild brook trout populations. Mm-hmm. And we have told them places we caught wild brook trout that they did not know they lived. Like they're probably learning a lot from you. And, and of course, we have gotten a lot of information from them. And I, I point blank asked uh, a couple of different ones why some species prefer or do better in some waters, and they don't know. Wow. They really, I mean, there's some, uh, where we're going to go Saturday, very silty streams on the edge of trout habitat, down, mm-hmm. you know, almost down in the foothills, and yet, loaded with wild reproducing rainbows Hmm. and you know some of them they don't they don't look like trout streams but for whatever reason the rainbows have attached and everybody always talks about how brown trout like warmer temperatures but all of the streams at the edge of trout water where it's just about too warm Mm -hmm. we always catch more wild rainbows Hmm. not a lot of reproducing browns in in those streams on that side. And I guess it would be the uh, the southeastern part of the Blue Ridge. Okay. Right down as it slopes down into the foothills. Mm-hmm. Great rainbow habitat for some reason. It's hmm. interesting. <clears throat> Any, uh, so those are your kind of three favorites for your free species trout. What about, oh, you got something to follow? Well, so those are your favorite watersheds and creeks. Is there one that's just been particularly mo- most beautiful? Just like your favorite place to go just so much for the, yeah, beauty of it all as much as the fish. Uh, man, that's tough. There's a lot of them. Um, the honestly, the creeks in Catalucie, creeks mm. in the park. I mean, it's hard to beat. Yeah, I love Catalucie. Uh, I, I don't know places. that there's a place now. You know, the grandfather mountain streams. If you fish them in the fall when the leaves have changed color, I mean that that's beautiful. A lot of waterfalls. You know, a lot of plunge pools. Um, I like. And the trout are beautiful that time of year, especially. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one that I'll probably get in trouble for this one, too. But <laughs> to me, it, not a lot of people have fished it, and it's it's on public land. Uh, Mount Sterling Creek. Have you heard of that I've one? heard of it, yeah. All right. It, it's a beautiful little creek. Uh, it looks exactly like a stream. It's right over the mountain from Catalucci. It looks mm-hmm. exactly like the streams at Catalucci. Okay. I mean, you're not getting in too much trouble here. After all, all these streams are on your website, right? I mean, by name. Well, if your... you if you pull up my list of a thousand streams, oh, I have. they're all on there. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we looked at that list multiple times. Yeah. 
If you want the whole list, ladies and gentlemen, you just go to the website. Yeah, yeah and we want to make sure, because this is a new episode, tell us a little bit, where is the website located again? Where can people uh, find you? www.troutbum.site, S-I-T-E. Yeah, I, I didn't ask it. Are you probably, you're probably, uh, are you social, you're non-social media man? I am, my wife keeps me up with social media. <laughs> I do not do social media. So that's your only option, ladies and gentlemen. I, yeah, I am uh, too old for that at this point. <laughs> I got you. Okay, so... Let's go with your craziest, and you told some good ones in the episode one, but if we had the craziest moment on a river Wildest throughout this whole happened. adventure. Um, on a river, it, this, it's going to be a tie. All right, one, um, I was in college, and I had driven up to the Chattooga River, which you know it forms the state line between Georgia and South Carolina, uh, I went up to Bullpen Road, crosses in North Carolina. There's an old steel bridge that crosses the Chattooga. And it's a very rough gorge upstream from that steel bridge. There's a section they call the Narrows, where uh, the creek is about as wide as this room. And one side, I'm going to say 60-foot cliff straight up. The other side, the, the cliff is not as tall and it slants down, but still, there, there's nowhere to walk on the bank without climbing the cliff. You, it, in, in times of low water, like middle of summer, you can wade through there if you don't mind getting wet up to your armpits. Um, and there's a little waterfall that pours in off one side with moss hanging over. You look like, it looks like Hawaii. Um, it, it's just fantastic. You expect to see elves come out at any point. <laughs> And, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm probably at this point, maybe 20 years old and I fish around a giant house size boulder and there's a big Sandy beach and there is a guy laying on the beach. Uh, I'm going to say six, six, two twenty, two thirty. He's a big man. He is not wearing a thing. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And if you've ever seen the movie Deliverance, that's the first oh, thing no. that crossed my mind. And he, he looked like one of the Oak Ridge boys with the big long hair and the big long beard. And uh, I ducked out of sight. And I, I got up on the trail and walked around. The next time I saw him, he had a pair of bathing trunks on. It was actually really nice. But I just I, I just completely avoided that area like a plague. <laughs> Um, and he just by himself out there, just, just enjoying nature. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the other one would be um, in Cataloochee at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. You're on the Rough Fork. Yep. Uh, you walk about a mile up the Rough Fork Trail, and then the trail leaves the creek. Um, about another mile up Rough Fork, there's a creek that comes in called, it's either Woody Fork or Woody Creek. And I had not fished that. So, you know, I'm just skipping my way up Rough Fork trying to get to that. It's, it's probably a Saturday afternoon, don't have a lot of time. Uh, and I get up there and, of course, catch brook trout like I expected to. There, there was a trout everywhere there should have been. And uh, on the way up Rough Fork, I got to a place where a hemlock had fallen. And it was one of those that's pretty big, and you couldn't get under it. And there was only one place where you could actually get over it. And, of course, there's no trail up there. Uh, if you get out of the creek, you are doing some serious bushwhacking through mm-hmm. laurel and dog hobble. So um, I'm walking back down the creek. I'm still maybe three-quarters of, or no, probably about still a mile from the trailhead. 
Nobody knows where I am. And I see this hemlock, and I, the thought goes through my mind, which side did I climb on? And about that time, a bear hops up on it. Oh, wow. He is between me and where I want to go. Um, I don't, you know, 150 pound, you know, big as me. Yeah. And he starts walking across. He gets halfway across, and he puts his nose up in the air. And he turns and looks right at me. We make eye contact. I don't know why I didn't have my camera. I don't, I don't know why I didn't think about taking a picture. I was really thinking about, can I outrun this guy? Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I don't have any kind of weapon. Uh, you know, pocket knife's not going to do any good. And I'm, I'm, the thought's running through my mind, what should I do? And he's probably having the same thoughts because about that time, he gives me the teenage girl eye roll, <laughs> just flips his head around, does a U-turn, crosses the hemlock, and goes up the bank. Wow. So when I, when I finally got to the tree and got over, uh, all the way out, I looked up on that because they will, they'll follow you. Yeah. They, I don't know if they plan on eating you or not, but they will follow you, maybe out of curiosity. So uh, he just went on his way. I guess he he didn't like my smell. Do you uh, do you bear spray now, or do you keep take that? I with you? got bear. If I'm gonna go off trail <laughs> since I that have, trip, yes, sir. I Carry have my bear, bear spray. spray in a holster. Yep, <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. I want to talk about tactics. Okay. Well, before uh, we go there, oh. I just I want to ask one more question before we get into the tactics of all of this. So. We love catching trout, but there's a lot of other, you know, species out there to catch as well. You know, a lot of people fly fish for smallmouth, largemouth, I mean, carp, all kind of stuff. We know why trout for us. We want to know why trout for you. Uh, somebody has already said this, so I can't take credit. But I like the place where the places where trout live. Yeah. To me, I mean, I'm going to enjoy fishing a mountain stream, even if I don't catch trout. Yeah. yeah, that's part of the experience. Do you ever get shut out? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I do. Yes, yeah, yeah. I feel a little better. Sure. <laughs> uh, and and some some places are notorious for that. Ask any veteran Smokies angler, and they will tell you, Catalucci's notorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a thirty fish day and go back the next day and not see a fish. Um, I've done that it, from one week to the next and week. Especially actually. like Whitewater River is a good brown trout stream over in Jackson County. And I mean, it is a good brown trout stream. There are days you would swear there's not a fish in there. Hmm. I mean, nothing. And I would say those two places probably have shut me out more than anywhere else. And and what drives you crazy is you know they're in there. Yeah. They for whatever reason they want just don't want to eat. Yeah. Yep. We've all been there for sure. Wait, we're going to take a short break and come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more with the man of a thousand streams, Ray Sugg, on how you go about catching these trout and these small streams. We'll be right back. And we are back with Mr. Ray Sugg. Uh, So to kind of end this episode, we want to talk about how you've gone about catching all these fish. So, first of all, um, let's just start with, we're kind of going to go in a little reverse order here. Just your typical, do you use the same equipment every stream or do you change it up? What, what is your go-to fly rod? You don't have to give name brands and all that, just your go-to oh, setup. Oh, no, no this, name brands are not a thing with me. <laughs> um, I, 
I don't know if you remember an old comic strip called Pluggers, but it's about guys that fix everything with duct tape and drive rusted out pickups yeah, yeah. and just. Uh, that's me. I'm the plugger fly fisherman. <laughs> um, I, I actually buy small crappy floats at Walmart and cut them in half to make my strike indicators. I love it. Rather than pay for what passes as a strike indicator. Um, I, that's why I, I honestly learned to tie flies when they went from 60 cents to a dollar a piece. I got angry over that. <laughs> and that's why I learned how to tie a fly. I did not want to pay a dollar for a trout fly. It's a hook with a feather on it. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I learned how to tie way back then. Um, but anyway, my, my tactics, I've got a tiny rod because you can imagine some of the creeks I fish are, uh, in a tunnel of rhododendron. Mm-hmm. You cannot stand up. Yeah. I actually have a five foot fly rod. That's a two weight. Nice. And I will get down on my knees Uh, A lot of times, some of the creeks we fish, literally the only option is a bow and arrow cast. Wow. Um, A lot of the the speckled trout streams in the park, I mean, you know, there's three or four I can think of right now in in the little Cataloochee watershed that are good trout streams, but you cannot stand up and you cannot back cast. So um, I've got a tiny rod for my, my small creeks. Ordinarily, if I'm fishing fairly open water, um, I've got two that I go to that, uh, one is, uh, about a seven foot two weight and, a, another one's a seven and a half foot three weight. Now, most of the time I will be fishing those. Uh, if I'm in bigger water, if I'm, if I'm throwing a streamer, I have an old, now I got this for myself as a college graduation present in 1986. It's an old LL Bean rod. Hey, just real quick, Caleb, would you like to tell everybody how old you were in 1986? I wasn't born. There you go. <laughs> I was two. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Josh was around. All right. Um, an old LL Bean combo, and it just has a very slow action. And if you're going to roll cast a streamer, uh, I've had too many pierced ears from trying to yeah. fly cast weighted streamers. Uh-huh. And I weight my streamers. They are going to get down. Yeah. So uh, I will. I will use that slow action eight foot five weight. And I can roll cast almost across the tuck. That is awesome. I mean, it almost looks like spay casting for salmon because yeah. you got to stage it first <laughs> yeah. before you do it. But uh, so basically, if you're going brands, I, I'll just be honest. I've got a couple of Orvis reels, mm-hmm. but all of my rods are Cabela's or Bass Pro. Yeah. I've never spent more than $200 on a fly rod. That's awesome. That may um, be my favorite part of the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Bobby, on the other hand, does not own a fly rod that is not Orvis. He wow. has a collection. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's donated one of his bamboo rods to the um, the Fly Fishing Hall of Fame in Bryson City. That's You'll cool. see one of his rods there. Uh, but I, I just like my cheap stuff. <laughs> it works great. Well, it's going to say if it works, and it, it sounds works. like you're, uh, you've are you caught, I mean, two fish on a thousand rivers, so more than two on a lot. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't teach math, bit. but that's at least 2,000 fish. That is at least 2,000. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that is awesome. Uh um, so dry dropper is that your kind of go-to? Or? I, I tried that a while. Uh, in order to keep the dry fly floating, you have to do too much backcasting, and every time you backcast, you're putting a, a new twist in the leader. And at some point, you end up with your nymph, the the little mm-hmm. dropper part, all all curled up and tangled up. Uh, to me, 
I'm going to fish with a nymph first because most of the most of the fish feeding is done underwater. Yeah. And I will always start with a nymph unless I am pretty sure they're going to be looking up for a dry fly. Okay. If I'm fishing a wild stream in May, June, July, I've got a dry fly on. But out of season or, or especially if it's rained and the water's slightly discolored, um, I like to get my nymph down deep, and I haven't found a dry fly yet that will float my nymphs. I, I weight them heavily. Mm-hmm. And I'll use a split shot to get them even deeper. And sometimes a split shot is the difference between a 7-inch fish and a 14-inch fish. Wow. Just getting it a little bit deeper. So I will use uh, pinch-on indicators. Mm-hmm. And I will also use the little, like, cork with the, the toothpick in it indicators yeah. uh, for if I'm going to be using a split shot. If I'm trying to get it deep, uh, I won't. And you know, say what you will. It's bobber fishing. Single single fly only. Usually have just one nymph. Yeah, I never use more than one, um, and I catch fish. So you're either or. You either have a dry fly or you have a nymph. Yes, never together. And if I'm ever fishing with someone and I'm fishing behind them, I'll have the nymph on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But other than that, you know, if I th- I like catching fish on dry flies, and if I think I will have success at that, that is my go to. But I just know that um, if I've got one shot at a decent trout, he's probably going to take the nymph before he takes the dry fly. Uh, that's interesting. Makes me wonder if I should maybe – we dry dropper we, a lot. Yeah, we mostly do dry dropper. I, I just but... – I tried it, and I got frustrated with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does lead to different Well, it leads to more – a lot sometimes. of – Pain. I guess my theory always my a lot theory of always sitting is, there on the side of the river tied to me. Not yeah. <laughs> my theory is always there's two options. That's my theory. But I understand your one option probably better than my two a lot of the but time. Now, He's probably I can't catching tell way more fish than we do. How many times a fish has come up and just inhaled my little yellow indicator? <laughs> you know, completely oh, yeah. sold out that that was food. <laughs> And I've actually fought fish close enough to touch them, and they weren't hooked. They just wow. didn't want to let go of the indicator. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yes, it does happen. And some some guy ties it what he calls an indicator fly now, which is basically a floating piece of yellow cork with a hook in it. Uh, but I've just, yeah, I'm, I'm either or. So, because you're, you're, you're trying to get that fly deep. Yes. Um, Even on these little tiny streams. Uh, yeah. The fish are going to be near the bottom. Um, you know, I may not be using a split shot. I there's not a nymph in my fly box that doesn't have a bead head on it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's which is even crazier. Your friend that caught a thousand, or and he did it all on dries. All on dries. Yeah, I mean that's that's unreal. That's exceptional. I, I I saw him tie on a nymph one time out of desperation. <laughs> did he uh, watch you catch too many and he wasn't catching any? Well, I, I gotta <laughs> tell you this about him. He also has a streak going where he's caught a trout on a fly in every month of the year consecutively. Oh, wow. And it's been going on. He just hit 30 years. That is so cool. And and you got to understand the last 12 years he has done that living in Pauly's Island, South Carolina. He drives five hours. Now, I promise you. Does he drive five hours to fish for an hour just to get it done? He has done that. Wow. To to get (laughs) – December, January, and February, he has been known to hop in his car after he got off of work and drive all the way to Blowing Rock, uh, well, almost Blowing Rock, Mm -hmm. 
and fish a little stream there. I can't tell you the name of it. <laughs> no, we won't expect also, you to. We, don't, we won't burn now, that one. Now, he's, he's from Wilkes County originally, so he's very familiar with the Wilkes County and Watauga County streams. And he, he's got a favorite in Watauga County that's a good go-to. And then we both have one in Madison County that's pretty much a guarantee. Depends on how far he wants to go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he has been known to drive five hours, catch two fish. And leave. He actually only has to catch one for this streak. Yeah. So he can say, I caught a fly yeah. this month. And then he turns around <laughs> and goes awesome. home. That's awesome. I love it. Got to keep the streak alive. Yep. That, that, that is so cool. A, I have had several Februaries where I didn't catch fish. Yeah. Like, you know my rule, if it's too cold, if there's ice on the guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've had Februaries where there was not a day yeah. that, that we wasn't yeah, a case yet. Yeah. So how do you go about, you know, when you're, you're getting in the stream, what's your – What kind of attitude are you taking? What are you looking for? What are you um, What are you trying to hit? Are you hitting every pocket? Are you what's if, kind of your If I'm in go-to? a new stream that I've never fished, it, it does help to know what type of fish are in there. Sometimes I have that information going in. Okay. Uh, if it's browns or brook, you're looking for eddies, mm-hmm. you know, behind a rock, basically any little pocket. Uh, if it's rainbows, you want some oxygen. You want some moving water. Um, but you know, other than that, you know, there's some streams I'm going into blind. I don't even know if there's any trout in there or not. Yeah. Uh, I am going to fish the nymph with a split shot. I'm ticking the down bottom, deep basically. And you know, I, I will avoid in a, in a stream like that. I might not make a cast into the little pocket that looks only two inches deep. Mm. Um, I'm going for the guaranteed spots. Um, you know, once I've caught my second trout, then I'm going to work those spots. Okay. But, you know, sometimes I'm I'm three hours away in a day trip, and my goal is seven new creeks. And I'm looking at my watch. Okay, I'm on this creek. I need uh, – I, I can allow 30 minutes. So, so you're hunting even if the you're best catch- pockets. Absolutely. Yeah, even if you're catching fish, you got to move to another stream. you got to have that mission, Well, there right? have been days where you stumble onto one that it's just too good. To leave. And you can't leave. I mean, you've had days like this. Oh, like, yeah. I can't. Which brings me to a question I meant to ask in our earlier episode. Oh, we've kind of had this discussion. Are you a counter? Or, like, do you okay. sometimes forget? You know? Yeah. Like we've Okay. Kinda- <laughs> Here's the deal. Uh, I don't know who said this, but somebody one time wrote about the different stages of fly fishing okay yeah you you've seen that you know at one point you want the hogs you just got to have the big fish (laughs) at some point you want the numbers um i will count occasionally uh now bobby's a counter he's a stat guy he will know how many and he's going to ask you how many you caught and he's going to write it down he keeps what he calls the book of truth and he doesn't just I have stats it. on him well i just so Everybody i just started i just started doing that yeah. i started keeping a little journal yeah. to where i can write down so i know for the future you know yeah. like i went to this creek this is what we caught right. we caught it this time of day this is so so what are you tracking um i will Keep track of that. It used to, I had uh, much more detailed journals mm-hmm. before I was trying to catch trout in a thousand creeks. Yeah. Now I get home at the end of the day and, and I've got all these pictures because I take lots of pictures. Yeah. I want to go in and label the pictures before I forget where they were. Okay. Which is a, you know, a time consuming process. Yeah. Um, so I have really streamlined my log. I basically put the creek I was in, 
uh, like nymph or dry fly fishing, mm-hmm. what species I caught. Sometimes I will have a number. Um, other times I'll have a ballpark figure. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes when I just have an hour after work and I just want to go catch some fish, yeah. I don't count. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it all depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, there are times I go after big fish, but you know, there, there's so many streams and so many different types of water. Um, there's one for every mood. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself doing that, you know, depending on where I'm going, if I'm, who I'm going with, right. You know, if I'm taking somebody new, uh, a lot of times, like if we go to DH water or something, I'll throw right. a big streamer on just because yeah. it's fun. It's something yeah. different. I don't do that that often. Give them the choice spot. Exactly. They have a chance to hook up. Yep. Yep. So uh, continuing with the tactics, if you're okay with talking about this as yeah. in-depth as you want, yeah. what, you know, you talked about you're, you're, you're starting with a nymph. You know, that's your, if you go to a new stream for the first time, you're throwing a nymph on there, you're right. getting it down deep, popping an indicator on. What fly, what fly are you usually using? Um, I have a my own twist on the beadhead flashback gold ribbed hair's ear, and I substitute two goose biots for the tail instead of the normal deer hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it sink faster, and you know the goal is I've never understood with a, a fly that you want to get down deep. Why would you want to put deer hair on it? Because mm-hmm. it is going to um, it, it's going to want to float. Uh, so that's just a little twist I've made on the old fashioned hare's ear. And I have, I will say in a given season, 75% of the trout I catch are on that fly. That one fly. Mm-hmm. That's all. And you tie it, your own special. Yes. Yes. How did you, how did you come to that I recipe? Had, I guess. I had seen a pattern for a stone fly in a, a fly pattern book that used goose biots not only as tail but also as legs. Mm-hmm. And I started tying some stoneflies like that, and I was getting ready to switch over and tie some hare's ears, and I thought, hmm, I wonder. Yeah. And it's I've done it ever since. It's, it's worked. I love it. And it's a whole lot easier to tie those two goose biots in as tails than it is to fool with a hair stacker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I still I still like hair tails on my dry flies because that makes them float better. Mm-hmm. If you're in a wolf pattern, it's going to have a hair tail. Yep. But uh, I don't use deer hair tails on nymphs anymore. Smart. So how did you get into? When did you start tying? When uh, how old was I? When when I was in high school, my dentist was right next door to a store in West Asheville called Franklin Outdoors. Okay. And they sold everything. It was a little round building. They had bait. They they sold anything you needed for fishing. And that's where I bought all my flies. So I had a rule. If I had to go to the dentist and let somebody put his hand in my mouth, <laughs> I was going to go next door and, like and buy some stuff yeah. for therapy. And so I, like I would I would go in there and, you know, get a couple dozen flies every time. And uh, I had had some dental work done. I'm get, I guess I'm in college at this point, you know, early 80s. Uh, and I went next door, and their flies had gone up to a dollar. And I, I could not put my dollar down for a fly. Uh, at that point, I decided I was going to go all in uh-huh. and commit to learning how to tie flies. And I did that exactly like I did fly fishing uh, or fly casting. I, I learned in books. Which... I, Still baffles me because I've never I'm, seen anybody tie a fly. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm learning. Yeah. I'm very, very new to fly tying. Yeah. I've only been doing it for about a year now. And so I'm learning, and, I, and, you know, half my flies look 
terrible, but well, they still the, seem to catch fish sometimes. I still say the the first six flies of every pattern that you tie, like if you start tying a new pattern, mm-hmm. throw the first six away. <laughs> yeah, I could totally because do there, that. There's a learning oh, curve. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's so yeah. much, and, and and it just you know, it's the more you do it, the more you right. repeat it, the better you get at it. But um, I cannot imagine. I mean, I've learned everything from YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, watching people do it, watching people do it over and over again, you know, making a mistake, going back and watching the video and then being like, oh, because they did it that way. Right. I've got a lot of fly tying books and they're great for recipes. But when you go to those diagrams and try to learn how they're doing stuff, I, I occasionally, I, it is so hard for me. I occasionally teach fly tying classes and I learn how to tie a whip finish with my fingers mm-hmm. without using the tool Okay. by looking at a diagram. I but me being able to teach you to do that with the diagram, mm-hmm. I have found that it is impossible. Yeah. I can't, you know, I basically now I say, okay, here's the video. Yeah. Watch, watch <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And then do it about a thousand times. And, but I, right. I actually had the diagram on a little index card on my fly tying desk, and I just looked at it. And, you know, early on, I had to go back and look at it many times. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I taught myself by looking at books. And at this point, I can go to a store. I never buy more than one of a pattern. Mm-hmm. If I see a pattern I like, I will take one home. Okay. And I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty good at copying it. Mm-hmm. But I don't fish a lot of streams that have picky trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I do tie my own midges. And, and I like to midge fish the delayed harvest in the winter. You, you get some topwater action. Uh, and I, have, I will tie midges down to size 28. Wow. But uh, it, there's not much to it. But they float, and I don't think the fish can tell what it looks like. They think it looks like a little piece of food. It's mm-hmm. about the same size and color of the, the naturals that they're eating like crazy. And, you know, I catch fish on those. But um, whatever the latest fad fly is that all the guides are pushing, yeah. I usually avoid that. Really? I, when the fish stop biting, my hair's ear. I will switch over. <laughs> but that hadn't happened yet. Hasn't happened <laughs> yet. How but many you years? gotta remember I'm fishing a lot of streams that nobody else fishes. Yeah, yeah. I am not fishing over pressure trout. Yeah. Uh you know, I could take that same fly and try to catch fish in uh cat you know, flies only catch and release water. Yeah. And those fish are just gonna turn their nose up. Yeah. So, you know. Yep. So are you still uh have you have you changed tools and tactics for fly tying since you started? I mean, do you still have the exact same vice um, you got in the eighties? I've, I've upgraded in the vice. Yeah, upgraded in tools. Still in the plugger category, though. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll call it frugal. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, one of the things I, I've learned with tying my own flies is. I thought I was going to save money. I, I haven't. <laughs> well, yeah. This is this is what really saved me money. Um, I when I was at ACA for 14 years, I coached soccer, mm-hmm. and you know, Coach Sug, what can we get you as a end of the season gift? It was a standing gift. I was going to get uh, at that time. Roger Lowe had a fly shop in uh-huh. Memphis. I yeah. was going to get a gift certificate for Roger Lowe's <laughs> yeah. fly shop. Yeah. I bought a lot of materials from that yeah, man. <laughs> that's awesome. That is great. Uh, just want to fill the folks in. We are truly dads on the fly tonight. I just went and picked up a kid from dance to make it back from this episode. We are recording this on a Thursday night. <laughs> Our usual <laughs> recording times, uh, Ray, are about 10 p.m. to midnight right? Uh, because that is the kid-free time. <laughs> After so uh, we've just successfully done a little parenting during the middle of this episode, and I am back because we didn't want to end it. Uh, 
Are you going to ask that last question, and then I want to kind of debrief with you before we... Yeah, so let's. Uh, we're going to take one more short break, and then we're going to come back and wrap this episode up with uh, just another little five-minute segment, segment from you, Ray. Just talk a little bit more about fly fishing and all the stuff that it teaches us. So let's take a quick break. And we are back with Ray Sugg, the man of a thousand streams. Ray, we're going to wrap this podcast up here in just a minute, but just a couple of questions. We are dads on the fly. We are parents. Um, we talk mostly about fishing, but we always kind of tend to tie it into what we're doing in life. So I just want to ask you, what has been the biggest and best thing that fly fishing has taught you? You've been fishing for how many years? Um, actual fly fishing, we'll say 1980. So what, 40 years? A little over 40 41 yeah there you go that's awesome so what's what's the biggest thing it's taught you uh probably patience we talk about that a lot yeah yeah um you know if you get in a hurry you miss out on a lot in life and you miss out on a lot of fish um you know one of the things that really drives me crazy when i take someone new fishing is to see them just run down to the the best looking spot and dive right in. Are you listening, brother? Are you listening? <laughs> I have gotten, okay. Since we have started this podcast, I have gotten a lot better. You have gotten a lot better. Yeah. So we've talked about. It. We I have. don't run to the first hole. I just once I fish a hole, if it's not there, I'm moving. That's the difference. That's called just covering the water. That's I the, cover. A that's lot. what he calls it. Yeah. I cover a lot of water. Yeah. Let's put it this way: I went fishing by myself last Thursday and. Only went about 500 yards in a couple hours. If I was with him, we'd have went almost a mile and a half. Yeah. So. <laughs> cover a lot of water. We go fast. I, I do both, depending on the stream. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I know that it's a lot of trout, you know, I know it's a trout-heavy uh, environment, then I'm going to put my fly in every single spot at least once. Yeah. Um, and if I see the fish, I'm going to put it there more than once. Yeah. And I'll change flies three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Ray, you're also a dad. Yep. I know your daughter. Uh, she's awesome, by the way. Thank you. did a fantastic we, we job raising so her. Too. We yeah. don't know how that happened. <laughs> we, we think so, too. Yeah. So, um, did you ever take, did she ever fish with you? She was not much of a fisherman. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, she, uh, her dad was a soccer coach. She didn't yeah. want to play soccer. Uh, we actually had a camp out here at Clyde one summer and, you know, for little kids. And, and she showed up. She wanted to go to the camp. And I had music on a boombox that I would do warm-up drills with them. And we took a water break, and one of the other coaches poked me and said, look over there. And Madison had the boombox going, teaching the other little girls dance moves. <laughs> that is uh, so yeah, Madison. She took I know dance Madison, right over so, yeah. here, Angie. She ended <laughs> yeah. up switching to music work. She was a musical theater yeah. child. And the, the only time, the only pictures we have of her with a fly rod uh, we like taking Sunday afternoon drives. Mm -hmm. There's always a fly rod in the car. And there were a couple of times we ended up at a place where I was going to fish a little, and she decided, here, let me try that. So uh, she actually caught a 17-inch rainbow awesome. in the Delayed Harvest Paint Creek. Have you ever fished that mm -hmm. one? That's in Tennessee near Hot Springs. And then um, – She's caught some wild rainbows before, but all the pictures I have of her with a fly rod, she's wearing a dress. I love it. Literally, <laughs> that we, is awesome. We left church and like went on a picnic, and here, let me try that. That's awesome. So that's that's it. That's her fishing, right? That there. is awesome. Well, you feel like you feel like 
fly fishing's helped you be a better dad? Absolutely. If anything, and this is something that fly fishing doesn't get a lot of talk about, uh, I find it very, very relaxing. Mm-hmm. And in a stressful world, you need that stress released somehow. Absolutely. Um, and, and just being out in the places where trout live can do that. But then simply focusing, I find I, I will have fished for an hour just going through the motions, roll cast. Oh, catch a fish, take a picture. And my mind has gone far away from whatever problems. Yeah. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming on our podcast. It's It's been awesome. I told, uh, I don't know, I felt like being with a celebrity, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I really do. We could, I feel like we could, do, hopefully you'll come back again. I would love to. This yeah, has been great. It's It's been an awesome time. I think we've learned a lot. Um, I, I don't know, Caleb, let's just debrief a little bit here. What, I, I don't know, should we... Should we should we some set some sort of goal or something? I don't know if we want to. I don't know. It's a it's a cool. He's talked about a lot of cool stuff. Do we want to? I here's what I found most memorable from the both episodes. The man has caught a fish in a thousand streams in North Carolina, and yet he still has streams in North Carolina that are on his bucket list. To me, as someone who's probably not caught a trout on, I probably haven't caught a trout. On. 30 streams, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. That's, that's what I looked at. And, you know, we, me and you talk all the time about we want to go here, we want to go there, yeah. we want to fly to this place, or we got water right here. There's a ton of water right here. Within what, Mr. Ray, three hours, right? Four? Uh, three hours in either direction. Yeah. It's about as far as you go before you hit another state or get out of trout water. Yeah. And, the man, and the man's caught. So we got we got it right here. We got plenty we of places don't, to go. We just need childcare and yeah, you know, time. Yeah, <laughs> and the summer, you know, <laughs> it's a, a great time yeah, for that. So for sure. uh, that's what I took away from it. Uh, obviously, learned a lot of other stuff from talking with you. And uh, yeah, it's sure we could, like we said, we could do this for hours. Absolutely, right. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Josh. This was great. I enjoyed it. This was great. And hey, thank you so much for listening. If you found this entertaining, fun, insightful, something you learned. Let us know. Uh, shoot us a message. Find us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. Hit us up on our uh, website at anchor.fm slash dadsonthefly. We would love to hear from you. And share this with a friend. Um, if you think they would like listening to it, learning from Ray. Golly, I've learned. I can't wait to go back and listen to this myself and take notes. And um, share this with somebody and uh, leave us a rating or review uh, wherever you get your podcast. We will have stickers uh, available. If you'll DM us uh Instagram or Facebook, we can take care of that for you and get those to you. And uh, we also have shirts ordered. We do not know when those will be in, but uh, we have them coming and they're on the way. Uh, in time for Christmas is our goal. That's so, in goal. time for Christmas, if you got a fly fisherman that listens to our podcast or he's got somebody new to fly fishing, uh, go check out our wish list episode and, uh, you know, we'll get you find a way to get you a shirt. You can order a shirt from us. Uh, once again, this was awesome. Can't wait to do it again sometime. Uh, we will be back next week. I think that'll be we'll be in December. Christmas times are coming. We will. Uh with episode eighteen of Dad will fly. Until then guys, 